0: Captain, yep. signatures detected.
1: Shield up. Yep. Signatures detected. Context, South heat command. C- context, South heat command. Delay that order. Context, South heat command. This is the captain. A- context, South heat command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. Klingons. Klingons.
0: Welcome to the greatest discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the greatest generation. I'm Adam Pranica.
2: I'm Ben Harrison. You know, Adam, when we do a live show, often the last thing we'll say to each other before we walk out on stage is, uh, hey, I got your back out there. Yeah, I started that. You did. Before we start recording today, (laughs) you really... Just monster dunk. Put me in the ball-kicking machine. (laughs) Just for no reason at all. So much of this show doesn't make the show. Yeah, yeah. It really... I mean, all the boring stuff I say certainly gets cut out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's the bulk of the work our new producer does.
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was in the job description, right? Can you tolerate (laughs) one of two men droning on at length about almost nothing? Oh, he just keeps going, doesn't he? We've talked a little bit on the show about using... uh,
0: I shouldn't give them a free plug, but... (laughs)
2: Is one of the programs
0: we use to edit the show. Yeah. At least you and I use it. I think I think Wendy's got the good sense maybe to not
2: use it. Yeah. And to beep it out when you say yeah. when you name drop it.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Because we should be compensated for all references to this program. Yeah. But this is a this is a program that offers the ability of its users to read a script. I don't know how many pages the script is, but but what it promises is after you complete the reading of this thing, you can type. Your dialogue. Yeah. So that when you're editing a podcast, you can maybe correct what you say into something else. Right. Allow yourself the ability to edit without re-recording.
2: If, if Adam mispronounces something, for example, or if I've I say... Never,
0: let me be clear. I've never mispronounced anything. It's always been intentional. Okay.
2: If I say ancleosaur in the way <laughs> that I believe that word to actually be pronounced, <laughs> you could then go in retroactively and and fix it ankylosaur
0: it made me wonder if we could do an entire podcast like that <laughs>
2: like, could we
0: do it written like could we could we write our words to each other okay uh, L- more or less live
2: so we write like a we we like paste a chat transcript into yeah and see what sp- gets spit and out. like
0: could we generate an episode that way <laughs> <laughs> is that
2: crazy I don't think it's crazy. I think... Um, It'd
0: probably sound weird as hell. It, c- it couldn't sound good, right? Yeah, maybe it's a bonus episode idea,
2: like... Hey, Ben.
0: What's that, Adam? Horl. It should be a square on the game of Butthole's Will of the Caretaker, probably, on our <laughs> on our hit mainline podcast, The Greatest Generation.
2: I mean, I like ruining episodes with that board game. Don't get me wrong, but I think yeah, that would really ruin an episode. <laughs> it
0: really would be. Plus, I'm also concerned about... Like, were I to suffer something that made me lose my voice, mm-hmm. I might be glad I have that ability, right? Like, in my back pocket. But at this point, it seems riskier than rewardier.
2: Yeah. Yeah. To me. Oh, it's going to be so. Like, I'm just thinking about like the next election cycle is going to be. We're going to have so many yeah. things where it sounds like somebody is saying something awful. And then we find out later, oh, they synthesized their voice. Like, that's. The 2022 elections will have that. Yeah. It's it's so fucking crazy. It's way more terrifying to me than it is exciting. People will believe anything. Yeah. That's, I mean, I mean if, it, if it confirms what they already believe. They'll... Especially
0: if it sounds like a person saying a thing that confirms what they believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah. Well, I definitely don't want to hear my own words come at me. Saying something
2: awful. You've said enough awful things in your life that you don't need robots that sound like you saying awful things to add on to the pile. I really don't need the help.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, were a scandal ever to come up where my words are weaponized against me, I think we can all agree. That's that's just a computer program doing Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Those are not my words. As... As Kirk did not say while on trial. Yeah, yeah. Having his log plagued back at him. Not me, you
2: idiot, him! Yeah, that that would have been an interesting twist in uh, Undiscovered Country if Kirk had been, it's a deep fake!
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah. Were they to uh, reboot Undiscovered Country? Yeah. that would be a big part of that moment.
2: (laughs) Well, speaking of uh, recordings of uh, Star Trek captains, Adam, we... Start today's episode of Star Trek Prodigy with a captain's log. Do you want to get into it? Yeah, I do.
0: It's Star Trek Prodigy, season one. We're still in season one, Ben. <laughs> episode seven, first contact. First contact. Mm.
2: You got to Tin Man it.
0: Can just anyone record a captain's log on the Protostar? <laughs> it sh- it seems as though in order to do that, you should identify yourself as a captain, and there should be some sort of two factor authentication, right? Allowing Dal to do this,
2: there has not been a command codes issue so far. W slash R slash T, the protostar. Could Dal blow up the damn ship? He doesn't even know, you know, the the sequence of of letters and numbers that you have to punch in. You know what's great is he's
0: with the right person if he ever wanted to learn. Janeway's the (laughs) fucking master when it comes to auto-destruct. But they're too busy, uh, like they're learning about Star Trek on Star Trek in such a way where they're still like learning about transporters and Mm -hmm. stuff on this crew.
2: Hologram Janeway's like, Dal, I'm gonna teach you how to blow up the ship, (laughs) but first I'm gonna lay this fork on this pie crust and lower it through the crunchy flaky pastry into the pie
0: (laughs) you might think that my hair is holographic but when I pull this brush through it very slowly (laughs) you'll hear it get untangled
2: (laughs) fiber by fiber (laughs) what they're doing is beaming a piece of pie around the ship and we get some some cut arounds to show that they've really teenage bedroomed the the (laughs) protostar to hell
0: yeah yeah, it's kind of a gross out. Like, you know how this place smells? <laughs> smells amazing.
2: Yeah, you you can you can really get a sense of uh of the olfactory situation that they found themselves in.
0: The pies the best smelling thing in that room, that's for sure.
2: The captain's log is all about how this goofing around with the transporter is a way that they are distracting themselves from how shook most of them are about the situation with the previous crew of the ship. It seems to uh, them that they were all killed. Hologram Janeway, the shookest of all of the shook ones.
0: Ordinarily, like you'd have to be a teenager or an adult to even grasp what found footage is as a genre. Uh-huh. <laughs> but in this scene, it really struck me how like, for many kids, this might be the first time interacting with yeah. Such a storytelling device. And found footage is always creepy, isn't it? It really is. Like, What example of found footage can you cite that's actually been a good thing? I can't think of a single <laughs> instance. <laughs> right?
2: Yeah. I also thought that this was just a great moment because I have spent a lot of time imagining what I would do if I was on board a Starfleet ship and mm-hmm. fuck around with the transporter is a great idea for that kind of joy. Like the play that you would do if you had access to all of that technology suddenly, like transporting a piece of pie into engineering and then seeing if it still tasted good is absolutely something I would try.
0: <laughs> your re- your reputation as a child nerd was such to me that when you used the word play, as a uh, as a verb and not a noun. I was like, you. yeah, you would put on some sort of like theatrical thing using the transporter, right? Like you do a performance. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I would uh, <laughs> I would do that play that Riker was in where he lost his mind, but yeah. I wouldn't really sell it the way Frakes does. You're absolutely right. No. I didn't kill that man!
0: It's interesting that they graduate from pi as experiment to uh, needing a real life transport test dummy here. Yeah, in in almost zero seconds flat.
2: Yeah, Murph, uh, in the immortal words of the Casper Hauser podcast sketch Mundo de Peros, is a peropicanio. <laughs> que se llama Guinea Pig, and. They transport Murph up to the bridge, and then this is
0: why you always order for me when we go to restaurants. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I order you the spicy pony head. Yeah, inevitably. <laughs> it is say pony head, but uh, spicy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they go up to the bridge to see make that too to see what happened to Murph, and uh, they they actually transported Murph outside. So we've learned that the transporter doesn't kill you, and that Murph is not just bomb proof but is also able to survive in the hard vacuum of outer space
0: and also that this crew can't be trusted to operate the transporter well because earlier they could they could transport the pie all around the ship but when they throw murph at the windshield like like a slurpee at a moving car (laughs) like it's clear that that they don't have total grasp of where they're sending things using the yeah,
2: transporter. Yeah, they, uh, they're they novices. Uh, I have to say, like, you talked about me being a nerdy kid. This may have bumped me out of the series as a child. Really? Because I would have been like, Murph was farting it up last episode. All he did was fart, fart, fart. You're telling me he's both full of gas and also immune to vacuum? I don't buy it. Yeah,
0: yeah. And you you like look around at the friends you thought were listening. <laughs> and uh and no one was around.
2: Well Adam, this is an episode in which uh at least one character learns who his true friends are. Do you want to get into season 1? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Murph is fine. He's, fine. He's fine. Yeah, it's all good. He can't we, be killed. We come back from the uh, the title sequence uh, with Murph materializing safe and sound on the transporter pad. And then they get called up to the bridge by Hologram Janeway, who has received a distress signal. I wonder to what extent the Kobayashi
0: Maru test prepared dal a little bit for this moment before it's revealed (laughs) that he knows exactly what's happening yeah
2: because they see this ship that's in distress and he ejects the warp core hits (laughs) it with the phasers and destroys it yeah it's great he's learning they roll credits and that's the end of the episode (laughs) (laughs)
0: Pretty believable scene here with uh, with what looks like an old lady holding mm. a sick baby and uh, it's a ship full of orphans, Ben. You got to save this ship full of orphans that's about to explode.
2: Dal has clearly played jazz horse because he is wise to the, the scam of this immediately. Yeah. It's a fake. Not just wise because he's
0: space smart. In a way that I mean street smart, Uh but like he's seen exactly this con before because he knows this person. It's Damon Nandi.
2: It's Damon Nandi, the Ferengi captain who is sort of his adoptive mother.
0: Yeah. And uh, boy, it explains a lot if you believe in nurture over nature. Sure does. The more you get to know Damon Nandi.
2: Yeah. So uh, she brought him up and they beam over to her ship so that he can introduce the crew to her and uh,
0: it's fun seeing a classic Ferengi ship yeah in the old school way right it's got that backside that
2: could break the internet (laughs) (laughs)
1: welcome to the damn
2: pretty fun to see it's sort of implies to me that Damon Nandi is like kind of a shitty captain by Ferengi reckoning also because yeah you would think that they would have updated the design of the ship a little bit like like we only ever had one Ferengi ship design and one Ferengi shuttle design in all of TNG but uh you know you'd hope that they would eventually like get cooler ships right
0: you would and it's also in contrast to like Damon Nandi might have the, the classic Ferengi ship, but Damon Nandi is also wearing clothes. Yeah. Which suggests that uh, that Damon Nandi is is not a part of the Ferengi orthodoxy that yeah. Mugi so famously
2: rejected in Deep Space Nine. A post Zek liberated Ferengi <laughs> woman.
0: And that's the only reason Damon Nandi is wearing clothes. It's not that this is a children's show.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, is it really nudity if it's another species? Like, we show dogs without clothes on TV.
0: This is my argument against (laughs) people getting so upset about me saying things about fictional characters on Star Trek, when my response is, these aren't real people,
2: it doesn't really diffuse arguments. And half of the awful shit you've said was generated in a computer. You didn't even say it.
0: It wasn't even me.
2: Uh, Get a Horgon sighting in uh, in the cargo bay that they beam into on Nandi's ship. Oh, boy. That's not appropriate for a kid's show either.
0: No tube sock is safe if there's a a horgon around the teenagers. <laughs>
2: yeah, they get a look at the bedroom that Dahl had when he lived on this ship, and it's a real like James and the Giant Peach type orphan vibe. Like, yeah, he lived in a hammock in the engine room.
0: This seemed
2: familiar to you. Yeah, from reading James and the Giant Peach as a kid.
0: Right. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah. This is like this is consistent with Dal's grandiose form of storytelling and and myth making about himself, right, you know, like everyone, especially Gwyn. Gwyn sees where he grew up, and she's like, "I thought you lived in some place cool, and this place has no water. <laughs> <laughs> it's very disappointing,
2: yeah. How, what did you interpret that line on Nandi's face as? I, I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be a scar or like mascara that was running from her performance as a... As a phage person? As an orphan phage person, yeah.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I chalked it up to scar because it stuck around the whole episode, right?
2: Yeah. She never wiped it away. So yeah, it yeah. must be a scar.
0: One thing they do a bit of wiping of Ben is, uh, is a box in the corner that is revealed to be a Klingon cloaking device.
2: Yeah, pretty exciting. Gwyn's
0: able to read the writing on it.
2: Yeah, Gwen can read anything. Yeah. And uh except the room <laughs> sick burn. That's almost as savage a dunk on Gwen as the one that you did on me right before we started recording, Adam.
1: <laughs> I wish I could tell you it'll stop hurting,
2: but I don't know that yet. Apparently, this uh, cloaking device requires chimerium to operate, something that they have in kind of a lot of abundance on the protostar because of where they found it. And uh, you would think that they would be a little bit coy about this information, but Raktak and Jengum Pog are there to not pick up on the social cues that Dal is trying to give them. I mean, maybe another line item on the list of reasons
0: to... I don't know, put a photon grenade in Rock Talk's mouth
2: and pull the pin? (laughs) That's one way to shut up, Rock Talk. Yeah, but they have a want. Yeah. They want this cloaking device because if the diviner ever shows up again, if they could just vanish, that would be great. That'd be great for them.
0: There is a way that both sides can benefit from an arrangement like this. I mean, Damon Nandi will gladly give up this cloaking device if they're just willing to do one little job for Damon Nandi. Yeah. Damon Nandi is uh, in a little bit of gambling debt, which is something I know very little about.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to ask you, Adam, why your thumbs are broken and in (laughs) slings.
0: God, speaking of broken thumbs, do not watch the premiere episode of Righteous Gemstones on HBO. Oh, yikes finger-breaking comedy in that oh like with repetition the sort of repetition that that we tend toward with our humor
2: (laughs) yeah greatest discovery about as funny as a broken finger that's a that's a tagline that we we try to use sometimes so Damon Nandi can
0: square up her debt if only she had one of these crystals that are only found on the certain planet but what's great about the planet where these crystals are found is that they're pre-warp they're dumbs they should be able to get a crystal from this place no problem maybe even trade a worthless piece of metal for one of these crystals she calls this thing
2: a Ferengi bedpan but it's just a flat sheet of metal yeah, are,
0: are Ferengi taking flat shit? Don't
1: be ridiculous!
2: Or do they only shit? Like, if I would guess that you would need, like, a lip if there's any liquid at all, but maybe Ferengis only take hot, steamy dumps. Are you suggesting that a Ferengi might just have a cloaca? You have my attention. I mean, think about it. They have the same diet as birds, right? All they do is eat bugs. Oh, this is great. We finally
0: have an answer to the question that's been plaguing us forever. <laughs> what kind of horror uh, does a Ferengi have? Cloakus. Cool, yeah. Asked and answered. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a good arrangement, right? The crew of the Protostar would get a functional cloaking device, and Damon Nandi would square up her gambling debt. Yeah. Done and done.
2: Pretty awesome. And uh, they head over to this planet and hologram Janeway is kind of against it. She materializes in the bridge and gives them sort of a prime directive for kids kind of rundown of why this is a bad idea. It's boring as hell. The kids are right. No one wants to (laughs) listen to this. (laughs) I thought it was surprising that Janeway didn't press the issue though. Like They're like, yeah, 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 get out of here, Janeway. And she just disappears. She, She like... She's clearly not happy about it, but Nandi is like turn her off and they basically oblige.
0: The thing that breaks the show, if you think about it for any length of time, is how these kids should not be permitted to run the ship and make these decisions at all. Right. And at any moment Janeway could stop them. Because this is Starfleet materiel.
2: Yeah. She should have the command codes. Right. If anybody.
0: Yeah. Maybe at one point in the 40 episodes in this first season, we'll get an answer to why that is.
2: <laughs> uh, so they put down on the planet and it's a, a desert world. And I really like the design of this planet. Everything's kind of swirls and like the, the ripples in the sand seem to be like both small scale and large scale. Like when you see it from space, the, the planet has like a kind of thumbprint pattern all over it.
0: What a moment for the what? What's the name of their Batmobile that they have on the ship?
2: Oh, you remember that, man? Yeah. What is that what thing a, called?
0: What a planet for that thing!
2: Yeah, that would have been fun. I know. Have they rematerialized it yet? Seems like they would. Seems yeah. like they should. That would have been the first thing. Yeah. Uh, but the sand starts vibrating and creates this like big sand dome over them, and uh, eventually. Gwynn comes up with the idea that this is some sort of harmonic communication and they see the aliens like way off in the distance, but they're not like responding to vocal requests or, or bows as as a form of communication, but they all get on their tricorders and respond harmonically to the vibrations that are causing this sand dome to appear. And I thought this scene was really neat. That like sense of awe and magic of a very weird alien species was totally achieved for my money.
0: Things coming out of the ground like this are always scary.
2: Yeah. You know? hmm
0: I feel like this is from a kid's movie like this is a kid's movie language too that they're speaking and I can't I wish I could cite a specific example yeah.
2: but. Well this is why you were terrified of the kid in Captain Planet that had the power of Earth, right? I was. Yeah. We're
0: the Planeteers You can be one too Cause saving our planet yeah, did not like that kid. Not one bit. Yeah. It's weird how their instinct is to just go into the giant sandcastle after it has <laughs> bursted from the planet. <laughs> as if they know for sure it is a structure and not a being. I thought this was a being.
2: Yeah, it could have been a being, but... um,
0: It, it could it, have what... been a Tin Man. Tin Man. Which also looked like a ship, but was in fact a being.
2: Yeah, they could have been making first contact with Tin Man yeah but uh it is not a it's not a man it's a building
0: also not a man is Dreadnought, who hollow <laughs> Janeway spies by punching in on the video logs on the protostar yeah
2: this is what happens when you enhance the image Ben yeah it reveals all the Dreadnoughts. pretty upsetting and and interesting that Janeway doesn't know who Dreadnought is. Yeah. And this is now information, like, she doesn't know that the kids do, and the kids don't know that she doesn't. So there's this information asymmetry being set up here.
0: Are we going to watch Chakotay die on this children's show, Star Trek Prodigy?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's going to be, like, Dreadnought, like, impaling him and tearing his body apart.
0: Like Bishop and Aliens. <laughs> Like flinging both halves to opposite
2: sides of the shuttle bay. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's going to be truly upsetting. Like a hard R death. (laughs) I'm concerned.
0: (laughs) You know what? Only the older kids are going to be left by episode 37 anyway. (laughs) All the littles are going to be long gone with all this first contact and prime directive talk.
2: Yeah, if that it wasn't enough to drive them away, the uh, concept of acoustic terra molding might be. <laughs> they're walking through this building talking about how it's like standing sound waves that hold all the sand in place to make this building exist. And uh, they're really like marveling at the majesty of this architecture. And they come into like a big chamber that just seems empty and like a like every haunted house in every TV show, the door slams behind them. And right. uh, Jengam Pog's pretty upset by this, but then a, a hurl develops <laughs> in the floor and they all fall through into a- Kids uh, love
0: quicksand, man.
2: <laughs> they really do. Uh, into like a basement where uh, the locals have uh, hung up a bunch of these crystals on um, like avatar ponytails. Kind of a grotto area where it seems like you'd be pretty comfortable
0: maybe laying down a blanket, opening mm-hmm. up a bottle of wine.
2: Yeah. It seems super chill. Yeah. And uh, they meet one of these aliens. It looks like the aliens from the abyss. Howdy. Uh, how are you guys doing? They're up there in those luxury
0: boxes, like where the rich people get <laughs> to watch. <laughs> yeah. while, while the riffraff are down here in,
2: yeah. in GA. Not exactly meeting them on... uh Yeah. On even footing, they offer up the bedpan as tribute.
1: I present you precious medals
0: from the stars.
2: And um, Damon Nandi encourages them to give them a gift in return. And the gift that comes is not a crystal, but the gift of song.
0: Damon Nandi justifies her actions here by saying something fairly not controversial, like uh, one kind of crystal is disproportionately arrested or murdered by police. Yeah,
2: yeah, you're like, I kind of think that Damon Nandi was the one making a good point there.
0: Which really causes Gwyn to jump up her ass.
2: Every crystal
0: matters. And then it starts this huge fight between them in the cavern, and the rest of the episode has just this weird tension throughout. And like unfortunately really makes you side with Damon Nandi yeah
2: it seems like Gwen is like the kind of person that could come around on this issue but isn't there yet and it's like do we really have the time to like talk Gwen through critical crystal theory
0: this scene was kind of foreshadowed because back on Nandi's ship you saw that sign that said on this ship we believe uh, (laughs) (laughs) we believe in the rules of acquisition (laughs) (laughs)
2: all are welcome to give us their money
0: yeah the dabo table is where we have fun
2: (laughs) oh man i can't wait to see that poster circulating
0: (laughs) what else we need like two more things Um, women can wear clothing if they
2: choose to uh uh-huh Two grubs are delicious
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from what am I gonna have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to Factormeals.com Trek50 and use the code Trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code Trek50 at Factormeals.com Trek50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product. Or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower a shave little spritz of fragrance me I think of shaving my nuts and not just my nuts all around those nuts I'm talking all around those nuts and this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of play-doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop it's wrinkly it's wriggly nothing stays in place and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident that's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra large Manscaped t-shirt which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants.
1: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
0: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
1: <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op.
2: One question that popped into my mind is, are these the same crystal obsessed people as in Lower Decks?
0: Crystals! Oh, interesting.
2: Because uh, this crystal thievery begins and it really pisses them off. They do not take kindly to crystal theft. The
0: reason Nandi steals the crystal to begin with is is the umbrage Nandi takes with the, the gift exchange. This is like yeah. that moment where you do the, the white elephant gift exchange thing and the thing that you really put... Some thought into Uh like is actually pretty nice. Like anyone would be happy to open this up. And the thing that you get is
2: uh, an umbrella hat or something. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: yeah. This song is the umbrella hat of gifts.
2: Nandi's like, like you could download an MP3 of this song anywhere. I want to. I that's a fungible token, and I don't want it to be fungible.
0: You know what? I go into the candle store in the mall, and I hear this song anytime I want to.
2: So, but it's real bad news when uh, when she starts snatching these crystals because there's bangers getting dropped on on the building. Sand starts coming down from the ceiling. Nandi is straight up shooting people. Yeah, N- Nandi is licking shots at them, and they uh, you know like they knock her over and get most of the crystals. But she runs out of there with one of them.
0: Zero is so perceptive about Dal's. Reluctance to go on the mission at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Hey, Zero, where are you with Damon Nandi and maybe reading her mind? Oh, you yeah. You think you
2: could have seen this coming? Well, Luoxana couldn't read Ferengi Minds either. Maybe that's just like a unique thing about Ferengi Minds.
0: guess so. I just expected Zero's gas
2: telepathy to be uh, more powerful. <laughs> more powerful than <laughs> a slightly nutty lady from Betazoid. Luxana is a sensible female. Yeah. With a a long laundry list of what her qualifications are, none of which really makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty intense confrontation between Dal and Nandi out on the uh, desert plain outside the building. I kind of wondered if it was going to get violent because like Nandi's already shot at him and, you know, they're not like throwing punches at each other, but they are kind of having a tug of war over this crystal and... Um, In the midst of this tug, tug of war, uh, Nandi lets slip that she did not lose track of Dahl. He was actually sold into slavery. Like he went to the work in the mines for the diviner because it earned a buck for Nandi.
0: I mean, you could argue, Ben, and I will in this paper that- <laughs> <laughs>
2: That the emotional hit. (laughs) This is the first time a film paper (laughs) and the last time a film paper will ever be written about Star Trek colon prodigy.
0: (laughs) Is that the punch that uh, Damon Nandi throws here is one of an emotional nature.
2: Of far greater emotional violence? It hits
0: a lot harder than any physical punch could. Dal is devastated by this.
2: Who wouldn't be to find out that they're... Adoptive parents sold them into slavery so that they could team up with a companion cube and do their crime with a more trustworthy companion.
0: Damon Nandi is not just remorseless. Damon Nandi is like double middle fingering on her way to her ship. You should be taking notes!
2: All of the gloating sort of undercut by the absolutely sickening angle her feet take when she is walking up that ramp... (laughs) Maybe the most upsetting image we've gotten so far in any Star Trek series is the. the...
0: (laughs) It's truly rock bottom in this episode between the feet and the knowledge that she's got everything. Yeah. She's got the crystal. She's got the cloaking device. She's got the uh, the chimerium to operate the cloaking device. Yeah. And she takes
2: off. We think that uh, Dahl might get kind of uh, lost in the. Resulting sandstorm from her ship taking off, but uh, he dematerializes and uh, shows up on the transporter pad on the protostar and immediately runs over to the controls and starts working them and reveals to the group that he slapped his com badge on the back of the special crystal that was stolen and he beams it off of Nandi's ship and... We see it rematerialize. I mean, they were—they were just getting the knack of transporting earlier. This is a precision transport. He beams it back onto the vine that it was hanging from. Yeah, Dell is fucking good at this. Yeah, he's got talent.
0: He's way better at this than Kobayashi Maru.
2: Yeah, but um, but he's in a pretty shitty mood. Like they trudge back up to the bridge, and everybody else is like happy that they got out of this scrape but uh it's a real
0: mission accomplished banner in the background kind of moment like more of a sigh of relief than a celebration of success feeling here
2: Dell, pretty bummed though and then to further uh load a few more quarters into the ball kicking machine mm-hmm. hologram janeway appears to scold them about uh, violating the prime directive
0: yeah this is really disappointed mom stuff here yeah in this scene
2: And it's it's interesting because it's like it's not quite the space Hitler concept is is the one that is often cited in, you know, more adult editions of Star Trek. Like you don't violate the prime directive because you may engender a power imbalance or you may you you may cause someone to arise in the galaxy that would be really bad and you just don't want to have any causal relationship with that kind of th- situation but this is like another the, one the
0: hitler butterfly effect is what you're describing
2: right hitler butterfly oh.
0: in the sky <laughs> i oh. can genocide <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, but this is another use case for it, right? Like, the these people will now be inherently suspicious of off-worlders in a way that's kind of a drag. Yeah. Like, they hurt these people for no good reason, and now they'll have every reason to be suspicious of new people that they meet.
0: The show has a mixed track record of making the case for, like, Star Trek rules as they are, whether right. it's the prime Directive or first contact or whatever. But I thought... This was presented really effectively for in in a way that that someone of any age can understand. When you have a bad first experience doing anything Mm -hmm. or being with anyone, it makes you reluctant to get into situations that feel similar. And you don't need to be an adult to understand how these aliens might feel after having a bad first experience like this. I thought it was really... Well articulated.
2: I did too. Um, I also was just surprised. Like I was looking at the time code on the episode and I was like, man, we are 22 minutes into this. And like we are really close to the end and we're ending on such a sour note.
0: Yeah. It's Dal and Gwynn kind of, I think they're as close as ever at this point because this is the stuff that really bonds people, right? Their shared trauma. This is something that uh, Star Trek Discovery has (laughs) been really emphasizing This season is that you want to trade this currency with the people around you as often as possible. And
2: this is every other scene in Discovery, but we've gotten one so far in (laughs) Prodigy, which is that Dal and and Gwen do have comparably fucked up childhoods.
0: Yeah, they trusted people who weren't supposed to betray them. And it just so happened that they were like parental figures, which is uh, like another Mega scary thing for a little kid to consider like I imagine a kid like Sitting cross-legged in front of the TV watching this scene and then looking up at their parents in the kitchen making dinner going like Wondering if they'd ever be hurt by them.
2: Yeah. Hey mom or betrayed You think you'd ever uh, consider selling me into the slavery if the (laughs) if the dollar amount was right? (laughs) Yeah,
0: I think a lot of parents are going to uh, turn off the TV (laughs) after this episode why did we subscribe to paramount plus you know what good riddance i I can hardly even operate this app
2: doesn't make any sense to me (laughs) even if i wanted to replay this episode i couldn't uh the button on the episode is a little scene with nandy and her companion cube and uh the companion cube has found a like essentially a a wanted poster yeah, uh, the diviner is willing to pay good coin for information about the protostar, and Nandi is pretty excited about snitching for fun and profit.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, it's like Nandi found a cockatiel in the neighborhood. And was able to re- <laughs> return it to its owner. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Is that a new, uh, a new side hustle you're getting going?
0: Boy, if I could only find any of these lost birds, I would absolutely <laughs> make that a side hustle. There's
1: birds everywhere, and now you can open for business.
2: These people have got to get their birds under control. They're letting birds out left and right in your neighborhood. I,
0: I think you got to put one of those uh, air tags on your bird. Oh, there's yeah. a there's any chance of them getting
2: out. Apple needs to come out with a miniaturized air tag. Absolutely, and also stop car thieves from putting air tags on cars. Put a bird on it. That would be nice. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, did you like this episode, Ben? Yeah. I mean we've uh, we've had a lot of fun at its expense talking about it, but I have to say I really did like this episode. I felt like it did a nice job of being an exciting and interesting story. It had like some moments of real. G Wiz magic and some interesting moral ideas in it. And it also really didn't feel like it was condescending to a kid. Like that stuff about the like acoustic technology that they're using to make the building is so weird and wild. And I love the idea of just like throwing terms like that at little kids and like, yeah, like if you if you get this, you're gonna feel 10 feet tall and if you don't maybe you will next year you know yeah I thought it was cool I liked it
0: yeah I mean if you're a parent and your kid gets that part you should probably uh, put them in a special school
2: I've got uh, I've got a list of recommendations just reach out to me
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) why are they just learning about tennis I thought this this would be a school that teaches science and technology
2: yeah Hmm. Not so much. Just tennis.
0: I'm with you, Ben. I think the last two episodes are probably the strongest of Prodigy so far. Yeah. Really tight stories that have really exciting elements to them and also like the uh, the lessons that a kid show tends toward, you know, as a rule, right? And uh, God, this is going to sound pretty cutting against, you know, the one of the other programs that we watch for this show, but I think- Star Trek Prodigy might be better at its form of moralizing than
2: Star Trek Discovery is. Wow. You're just a dunk machine today. You are just savagely dunking on people.
0: (laughs) Maybe more of a sample size will help me articulate why exactly that is. But uh, I like how they're doing things over here in that respect. And uh, I'll be looking for (laughs) the ways in which they continue to do that. In the thirty more episodes, there are <laughs> this season.
2: Well, Adam, do you want to see how many priority one messages we have in the inbox?
0: Oh, there's just so many. I hope there are a lot.
2: I hope it's not thirty though. That just kind of. Be... I
0: hope there are. Yeah, <laughs> I hope there are slightly more priority one messages than there are remaining Star Trek Prodigy episodes.
1: Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel.
0: Uh, we can't start with one. So, oh, Ben, it is a promotional priority one message. The message goes like this Leadership, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starfleet Leadership Academy, its an ongoing mission to develop leaders through Star Trek to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Who's your favorite captain for Discovery? Giorgio, Lorca, Pike, Burnham? Listen and get Jeff's take on all of the captains in Star Trek. Jeff! is a 20-year veteran of the public and private sectors in management and leadership and a huge Star Trek fan. Wow. So you can find the Starfleet Leadership Academy wherever you listen to podcasts or go to jeffakin.com.
2: All right. Man. Now that we have an employee over here at uh, the Uxbridge Shimoda Corporation, (laughs) we should start listening to this. You know, finally, leadership seminars are getting out of the hotel ballrooms.
0: Yeah. And into your earbuds in the form of a podcast. Jeff Aiken.
2: Jeff Aiken's not going to make you do a trust fall.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, guess what? You don't have to worry about bad food. Experiencing Jeff Aiken's Starship Leadership Academy.
2: Yeah. Uh, JeffAiken.com, a- was it? Yeah. All right. I'm going to check it out. That's a J E F F A K I N. Adam, our next priority one message is from Christmas One, and it is to Jamie James, the boy so nice, they named him twice. Hm. Goes like this Remember the other day when I was watching Disco and we were texting about how I only watch for Tilly, so I can be up to date for this dumb podcast? And then they wrote Tilly off at the end of the episode? Mm. No one else wants my Star Trek rants. Happy belated birthday, best buddy.
0: Well, I mean,
2: if Christmas one likes rants, they
0: probably (laughs) love the greatest discovery. Yeah. It's almost all rants this episode. We go off
2: on our signature rants. (laughs) Uh, New rule... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah we're the uh <laughs> we're the bill mar of star trek yeah <laughs> wow well if you'd like to leave a p1 on the program head to maximumfunorg slash jumbotron get it booked yeah looks like we have uh a lot of february filled up but uh, still a couple slots available if you want them yeah get in there we have so many
0: episodes of prodigy to go <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Ben? What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself an
2: Edward Larkin? Dog,
1: Larkin. Edward Larkin?
2: Adam, you have made great hay over how repugnant you find it to look at Rock Talk's mouth. Yeah. I know that this show has dabbled in the gross <laughs> in uh, more than one context, but Rock Talk's mouth having been kind of the, the main subject of conversation so far, but. I think that one thing blew Rocktack's mouth out of the water on this episode, and that is the fucking disgusting angle (laughs) that Damon Damon Nandy's feet take when she's walking up the ramp onto her ship. What the fuck?
0: Uh,
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're going to need
0: a couple of more photon grenades on this show.
2: (laughs) Yuck. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, I guess it's Damon Nandy's ankles are my Edward Larkins. You know, it's so
0: wet on Ferenginar. You got to think that the feet of your typical Ferengi would be like, would have to be sturdy enough to handle mm. the drying and the wetting. Oh, yeah. The, the constant moisture.
2: They're probably spraining their ankles all the time. That's why they're so flexible.
0: Yeah, that's why they look the way they do. Yeah. That's, uh, that's form and function.
2: It really is. Uh, did you have a Edward Larkin, Adam?
0: I mean, you've chosen a body part from my <laughs> Edward Larkin. I think it's hard to choose against Damon Nandi here, the err chaos agent of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, Damon Nandi mentions at the end of the episode that uh, we'll be seeing her again. Excited to. Bring yeah. her back. Just yeah. shoot, her, shoot her with a cowboy shot, though. <laughs> for Ben's benefit, I'd yeah. say.
2: Yeah, next time she has to go up an incline of any steepness, yeah. I would uh, I would prefer to have the feet framed out.
0: You know what? It kind of cuts both ways because the extent to which Nandi's feet are detailed is the thing that grosses you out, but is also one of the best qualities of this show. This is another episode where it's like breathtaking visually. Yeah. This desert planet is cool as hell, making this two-dimensional medium feel like vast three-dimensional space like really getting a sense of scale of things continues to be like a great strength of the show and it's really awesome to watch on just the biggest tv set you can find it's awesome
2: yeah it really is um wow well really strong episode we don't have the title or a cap for the next episode just yet but uh i'm sure that will be what we're covering next week Right here on The Greatest Discovery. Now, get a load of these credits.
1: The Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Benjamin Harrison and Adam Pranica, produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. Our music is by Adam Ragusia. Make sure you're subscribed to his YouTube cooking channel. On Instagram and Twitter, you'll find us at Greatest Trek. And those accounts are managed by the delightful Bill Tilly. The very best way for you to support this show is by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. That gets you access to all of the network's awesome bonus content, and it keeps this whole thing going. So thank you to everybody already supporting. You can also support the show for free by leaving a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. Right now, it looks like you could get in there with the very first five-star review of 2022. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more of The Greatest Discovery.
0: And I'll be waiting to hit my actually bored button while you're talking, probably. (laughs) Whose kick? Your kick. Three, two, one.
1: MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.